Welcome to Word Today. I am Levi Johnny Griffin, and if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. They do. So I need you to identify yours and check it at the door, because here on Word Today, the only opinion that matters is God's. We're going to go over Romans 8, line by line, precept upon precept. It's always been one of uh, my favorite scriptures. I'm excited to go over it. There's a lot of pieces that are so, it's so rich. Paul is so rich in Romans. It will change your day if you're listening to this. It's change uh, it will change your life, and I think you're going to walk away with a tremendous understanding of Romans, Paul's thinking, and the power of Jesus Christ when we get back. All right, so Romans 8, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, up to verse 29, uh, and there we are going to stop, verse 28. Uh, and then I'm going to go back and we're going to kind of break down the lines. And at the end, if there's a little time, then I'll go back and read it uh, again, just so we can kind of put it all in context. It'll be this will be the first half. The next um, podcast will be the second half of Romans eight uh, and it'll flush out the end and we'll kind of tie it all together there with an overarching theme. Here we go. Romans eight verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus too. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. In you, And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if but if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also 
share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly, eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we knew and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay, let's begin to break that down. That's a lot and that's some really, really good stuff. Verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I have two points here. If you're going through the notes and I, and I advise you to click the link and as you listen to this, follow the notes. If you can, if not, uh, go back and look at them later. Uh, the link is in the description bar. But what does that mean? That means that death the death that comes with judgment is exempt for those who belong to Jesus. There is no condemnation. That means that the death that comes to everyone that dies outside of Christ, the judgment, the judgment day when they have to look at God and he says, what is here to redeem you? And they have nothing that that doesn't apply to us who believe we will not suffer that judgment and that death B, those who belong to Jesus escape the judgment for their sins. So you escape the death you escape the judgment. So when Jesus sits on the judgment seat, the 12 tribes sit on the judgment seat, the 12 disciples judging the 12 tribes, we won't be judged Two, And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. What does that mean? That means, well, it means two things. For one, the old law was perfect. You know, some people think, okay, Jesus came to abolish the law. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. The law was perfect. God didn't create things that weren't perfect. We were perfect. And in our perfection, we decided to sin. In our free will, because you can't be perfect without free will. Right. If someone is controlling you, then maybe they're perfect, but you're not. You're not you're not in control. If you're in control, then you're perfect. You have the right to choose to do right. You have the right to choose to do wrong. And the law was perfect. We weren't perfect. So God sent someone to fulfill the law. And we'll kind of get into what that means um, after verse four. So the low, old law was perfect. We were not. So God gave us a slow pitch, uh, if you will, which was Jesus. Jesus. Even the worst of us can be saved with Jesus. 
That means that the law was perfect. The sacrificial system was perfect, but we were disobedient. Instead of bringing our best doves, our best flock, our best goats, our best sacrifice, we'll just get to the temple and just buy whatever they have laying on the rack. In the temple, the priests were corrupt. They were allowing people to sell just goats and doves and whatever in the rack. So you wouldn't have to bring your best. You could get there like the swamp meat and buy whatever and, all, and they would willingly offer it as a sacrifice. So it was, the system was great. Humanity, not so great. So God sent his son in the same flesh that was perfect. So he had the same temptations, the same desires that we have to show that, hey, it was possible. We just chose not to do it. And even though we chose not to do it, God still said, I'm going to give you a, a slow pitch. I'm still going to give you a way to be redeemed, a way to be saved. Verse four, he did this so that the judgment requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. I have a point here. God didn't throw out the old law because there was nothing wrong with it. And I just said that he sent Jesus to fulfill it. Now, I want to give you an example of this. It's kind of like if there was a law that said uh, every household had to have one of its members go off to the military and fight and die in a war. The law, God didn't change the law. What he did is he sent us an uncle to come live with us. And then that uncle went off, fought and died for us so that no one in the household originally had to do so. So the law wasn't changed. God just came in because there was nothing wrong with the law to help us fulfill it. He just sent that uncle in and says, hey, we need soldiers. We need people to fight uh, for our country so it doesn't get taken over. But I'm going to send you someone in your household that can go fight on your behalf. Verse five, those who are dominated by sinful, by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Now, when it says dominated here, we got to understand what dominated means in a sports uh, in sports. If a team is dominated by another team, that means that that team lost. They just got handled. They just got straight handled. Right. Uh, they, they got dominated. They got they fought and the other team fought them and beat them tremendously. Uh, the winning team won triumphantly. They were totally uh, dominated. They were totally controlled. Um uh, but that's not us. To give an example, look at sin like a road. If you're going south, you may pass a convenience store, a liquor store, a grocery store. And if you make a U-turn and begin going north, you will pass those same uh, stores, leaving the area that you entered into it. Being dominated is when you were going south. You would stop at the liquor store and you would party. You were dominated by sin. You would stop uh, at uh, the corner store and you might buy, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, you know, cigars to, to smoke all kind of things you shouldn't be smoking uh, and you enjoy it going south. Now, when you turn around, that's being dominated. But when you turn around, you have to come back out of those same neighborhoods, back out of those same problems, back out of that same sin. Um, but it's going to be a little bit different when you pass the liquor store. Now, you're going to speed by because you don't want to stop. And if you do stop, you're going to be fighting and struggling the whole time because you're like, listen, I'm not going southbound anymore. I'm not willfully going into this mess. I'm not willfully going into these neighborhoods. This is just a momentary stop. I fell off the wagon, but I guarantee you I'm going to repent and I'm coming out of this thing as fast as possible because my direction isn't south anymore. It is northbound. And yes, I got to pass that same those same habits coming out as I'm as I did going in. But baby, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of these problems. So dominated means, hey, I willfully, I'm willfully going south. You know, being controlled by the Holy Spirit means that I'm coming out. I may struggle with some of these things, but I'm eventually getting out of this neighborhood and I'm not coming back. Verse seven, 
For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it will never and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. It's a fight. I can say it's a fight. You're struggling. You're fighting those old temptations. If you're not fighting to be righteous, you're not pleasing God. Jesus conquered sin and death, but you have to conquer yourself. And that's a fight. The Bible tells us greater is a man that can conquer himself than one that can conquer a city. God already conquered sin and death. You don't have to do that. You just have to conquer you. Nah, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature anymore. You're not willfully going south. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit who has turned you around and bringing you north, right? You have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. God puts, listen, God puts the Holy Spirit in us and puts us in Christ. And that's how we have eternal life. When Jesus rose out of the grave, all those who are in Jesus rose out of the grave. So when you die or transition into eternity, you can walk up to the grave, snatch the keys and unlock the gates of heaven. Because the devil that would have been waiting to torment you was killed and imprisoned by Jesus. The victory is here. The battle is over. And those who are in Christ have won. Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by his dictates, you will die. But if you through the power of the spirit. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You hadn't received the spirit of fear. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You received the spirit of God. Now we call him Abba, father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. It, it bonds with us. It unites us. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, suffering used to be taught as a blessing in early Christian uh, churches. Uh, they took suffering on behalf of their father and behalf of their faith as an honor to be beaten, tortured or even killed was an honor. Stephen, while being tortured slash stoned to death, said, I see Jesus. And this is an axe. I see Jesus standing on the right side of the father. It was an honor to suffer immense pain on behalf of our faith. And now Christians don't want to miss being invited to a dinner party because of their faith. You know, so someone comes up to John and says, John, we know you don't cuss or drink. So we didn't want to invite you to, you know, this party It's going to get a little rowdy and there's going to be some you know, unsavory things there. We didn't want to disrespect you. We know you're a believer. And John goes, oh, no, it's OK. Can I still come? You know, we being in the in crowd becomes more important than being in Christ. You know, I don't want to miss. I don't want people to look at me differently. I don't want to be ostracized around the office. I don't want people to make little whispers behind my back. There's people that are willing to be shot in the head and heads cut off by ISIS for their faith. You don't want to miss being invited to the boss's party. You know, we become more concerned with being in the in crowd than being in Christ. So I ask you, do you want to be in crowd or do you want to be in Christ? 18, yet we suffer now, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared, nothing 
compared to the glory we will reveal, the glory he will reveal to us later. Being in Christ is better, people. In crowd gets you into hell. In Christ gets you into glory. I'll read that again. Yet what we suffer now, missing that dinner party, not having people want you to, you know, come to their, you know, their bar, drink with them or, or hang out with them uh, doing some crazy stuff. Um, this little, little suffering we suffer now. Or if you're in a country that is ostracized and being killed, um, or, you know, you're, you're, you're literally dying or being beaten for your faith. Listen, yet we suffer Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory God will reveal to us later. 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. I'm going to a baby reveal party Saturday. Um, And those are exciting, the baby reveals, but that won't even slightly compare to the reveal party God is going to do to show his true followers from everybody else. Remember, God says not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord is really mine. Verse 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies as he has promised us. There's going to be a new heaven, like Revelation says, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we see here why go to new heaven and new earth with old sinful bodies. There will be new bodies like angels, Jesus said. Uh, So we don't have to worry about boyfriend, girlfriend, being married and all this other stuff. We'll have new bodies to trans to, to go to the new earth and the new heaven, which is going to be beautiful. It's not going to be the suffering and the sin that we have here. If it was, if it was, would it be new heaven and new earth? It'd be the same old earth, be the same old problems. 26 and the Holy spirit. Okay. I'm sorry. 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we were, if we already have something we don't need to hope for it, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must patiently wait uh, and confidently. We must wait patiently and confidently. Uh, you don't need hope if you have it already. You know, you don't need faith if you got it. You don't need faith for a Mustang if you already got a Mustang. You don't need faith for uh, a child to be healed or your body to be healed or for finances or for a spouse if you already got one. And if you're trying to get have faith for a new spouse and you already got a current spouse, you, you're wrong. Pray for your current spouse. Let God move. Uh, and work things out. Go seek some spiritual counseling for someone that is, that is uh, on fire for Jesus. That is uh, that can help you out spiritually. So, but you don't need hope if you have it. So this is we're hoping for things that we don't have. That's what it's saying. Listen, your hope is for what is to come, or for what you're believing for. Uh, you don't need the hope if you already have it. It's not hope. Twenty six, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus, that He helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Some people, it's literal groaning. Some it's the whole speaking in tongues, right? 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. Well, the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God 
and they're called according to his purpose for them. Now, I know some Christians don't believe in speaking in tongues, but it's this evidence over and over and over. We have the upper room. Um, we have it right here with groanings. Um, that it says the Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to say, there is utterances, um, whether that's tongues, whether that's moans, groans, that the Holy Spirit within us causes that communicates directly with God. That's why it's so powerful. Uh, that's why when you're kind of in those moments, it feels euphoric because it's the spirit in you connecting in those moments directly to the spirit of the universe, the spirit of God. And that's amazing. Uh, my notes here says this. Even if suffering, even in suffering, God can make the world work for your benefit. And this is kind of going off of 828 or directed at 828 um, that things work together for our good. Um, the devil, listen, the devil may be running loose like a dog through the street, but God still has the leash. And the minute you need relief, he will tug the devil's collar and you'll have victory over that situation. God is still in control. And if you are in Christ and not in the in crowd, then he'll make sure that every situation, bad or good, works in your favor. Listen, you have victory. Things will work in your favor. Everything, bad or good, if you're in Christ and not worried about the in crowd, it will work in your favor. Now, let's recap. Starting at verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind or turn you around leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature going south can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're not obligated. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if you, through the power of the spirit, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies, as he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Listen. I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms, and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.